Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode. I've been thinking a lot about just the start and how I would start this season. You guys know this season is all about divorce. I am talking from personal experience and speaking specifically about the fears I faced during the divorce process prior to deciding to divorce and post-divorce. So this first episode is talking about just um, the initial decision of leaving. But you know how sometimes when you set out to do something and you have this grand idea that you're going to do this thing and create this project or um, you decide you're going to do something big. Well, I'm a I'm a dreamer and I dream big. And so when I decided to go forward with the topic of the season, I had all these great ideas and, and had an outline and I still have all those things. But you know, how sometimes you think about it and you say, I'm going to do it and then it's time to do it. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> what was I thinking when I decided and said and made a promise to myself and others that I was going to do a certain thing? That's kind of where I am right now. And here's why. Not because I'm chickening out and I don't want to do this. The hesitation is in knowing that I have moved forward and I have lived forward. I, I don't like to say moving forward. I like to say living forward. I have lived forward and healed in so many areas of just the um, demise of the relationship, how things fell apart, deciding how I was going to pull myself back together again and, and take care of my children at the same time. I have lived forward from a lot of that hurt and pain and deciding to do this season about divorce takes me back to talking about it and takes me back to how I felt and takes me back to the emotion of the entire ordeal. And I don't really want to do that. I remember when my book turned four years old, married to a narcissist and during the struggle and during the struggle and finding you again. It published in 2018. And I remember when it turned four years old in uh, 2021. And I didn't want to do any more book readings. And I didn't want to do any more book signings because I was tired of talking about it. I was tired of talking about the narcissist in my life. So a little bit of me feels that way right now where I don't want to talk about it because I have lived forward and I am in a much better place. And um, but I also realize that this is an important topic to talk about and I am not afraid to talk about it. I just parts of me are exhausted. So if you will just be patient with me through the season, I am going to talk through this and work my way through this. I think my reaction to things will be a lot different now than they were. Um, they will be less emotional than they were even said eight years ago, five years ago. Um, I've been divorced 12 years. And so there was a lot of healing that I've done. It hasn't taken me that long to heal. So don't get me wrong. Like that relationship was over long before we actually signed the dotted line. 
But you know, there's a lot of just patching up and um, a, a lot of brokenness that needs to be repaired through all of that. The family units. I have three children, making sure they're okay, and and finding a way to find time to take care of myself as well, which I haven't done a very good job at through the years, but I'm improving. So just bear with me through this season because there'll be times that I am just not wanting to talk about it. And you will probably hear that in my voice and in my soul and how I respond to certain things. But through this, I'm going to read some chapters from my book because much of it was written during the marriage and also coming out of it. I have a lot of diary entries. The first half, as you know, if you've read it, is um, a number of journal entries. It's not all of my journal entries. It's probably the ones that are most poignant to me. And the second half of the book is how I came out of the relationship. So I will be referencing a lot of the book and the text. And of course, we'll be talking to experts and also people I know, friends of mine and others who have gone through the same or similar experience. So just bear with me. This is the first episode. And before I sat down to record, I thought, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> what the fuck did I commit to? Because I'm just some, yeah, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm tired of talking about it. Nevertheless, we're going to go forward. So before I um, go further, I just want to set the stage for how I got to the point of deciding to divorce. So I was married to someone who has displayed narcissistic, serious narcissistic behavior. It has gotten worse through the years. And I think for those of you who have had interaction with a narcissist and a relationship with one, if you have separated yourself from that relationship, you've probably noticed um, their behaviors. Sometimes their behavior um, is uh, um, erratic. Um, and the, the more you put up boundaries, the more you will probably experience their what I call wrath. And it just gets worse because they don't like to be ignored. They need attention. They need to feed off of things that they do to you to get a reaction out of you. And so I've been experiencing a lot of that just this year. Oh, I was in court, family court, after being divorced 12 years, there's still a reason for him to take me back to court. And because our legal system is what it is, it allows you to sue someone for anything. And um, it, it doesn't really matter what it is. You have the right to take someone back to court. So I've spent a lot of time in court. My children have been in court unnecessarily. And um, he's had a really difficult time letting go. But during the decision process, um, he has was also and is an alcoholic and um, just very neglectful. And it just it got worse over time, especially after each of my children were born. Um, less of the attention was on him and more of the attention was on my children. And that was also problematic in the relationship as well. So there wasn't just one thing. It was a culmination of a number of things to the point where I just realized there was no way I could stay in that relationship because over a period of time, I was the only one fighting for the relationship. And I was doing everything, taking care of the children, running the household, paying the bills, working and pretty much taking care of him as well uh, as one of the other children. That's what it felt like to me. So there, there was no point in for me staying in that relationship, but there was a lot of fear 
in those moments of deciding whether or not I should actually get a lawyer, you know, out of anger, I would say, fuck you, we're getting a divorce, I'm divorcing you. And then I would think about my children and think about how I was going to do it as a single mom, as a single parent, which I had been a single parent the uh, for 20 years. I mean, even in the, the marriage, I was a single parent. But I was just afraid of how I was going to do it, um, how I was going to do it on my own. And so that kept me in the relationship longer. And I think my greatest fear was not knowing how my children would respond, but more, I think what was more stressful on me was being afraid that, um, of feeling guilty for breaking up the family, which is what I was told that I was the one responsible for breaking up the family. And I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to carry that burden and carry that guilt. And I was afraid that it was going to be too heavy to carry that guilt. And I also didn't want my children to live in, um, um, a divorced parent situation. I didn't want them to have that experience. Uh, my parents weren't divorced and I've always grown up in a two parent household. I didn't know how to conduct a family outside of that. And so I didn't want to hurt my children. So that's what kept me in it too long. But what I realized was that staying for the children was a mistake because children know they know when things aren't right. They know when the household is not right. They know the, when the energy is off and they know when the energy is toxic. I'm going to read a chapter in the book called Staying for the Children. And I I wrote this because I, I was feeling a lot of fear and guilt, but I also came to the realization that I just talked about. So I want to read this chapter. Staying for the Children. I stayed five years too long, thinking I would be the one responsible for dismantling the family unit, and I was afraid that would be too much guilt to live with. If you think you're staying for the sake of children, you're not. You're likely staying because, like me, you're too scared. Scared of a myriad of things. What you'll do on your own. How will you make it on your own? How angry will your significant other be with your leaving? Will the children be sad and depressed? How will you handle visitation and the drop-offs and the list of talking yourself out of leaving reasons? Not staying for the children's sake. Thinking you don't want to break up the family or the household is a lie. It's false. The home is already broken. Love and stability are compromised. Children know you're being abused. The abuse has not only affected you, but it's affected your children in tangible and intangible ways. Although they may not recognize it in physical form, they see it and they feel it. They feel it when the narcissist needs to have the last word. They feel it when scenarios always come back to the narcissist. They feel it when their abused parent's face changes. They feel it when you're hiding and hiding something. They feel it in gestures. They feel it when the abuser lashes out. They feel it when the abuser can't hold it in anymore. The thing about children is that they are insightful, intuitive, perceptive creatures, and they always know you're not protecting them from anything. You're only keeping the truth from them. And that's all they want. They just want the truth and love. 
They feel it when they go to school and they can't focus. They feel it when they get in the car after school and notice your face is wrinkled from worry and fear. Fear is that monster that sits on the edge of your shoulder whispering hateful lies. It laughs every time you flinch. It laughs every time you sigh at the end of the workday. It laughs when you stay past quitting time. It laughs every time you take the long way home, prolonging the inevitable. It laughs when it sees you believing what it said to you. Fear is crippling and fear is happy when you're complacent. Complacency may seem like a better state of life, but there is no change in complacency. Everything stays the same. There's only fear to keep you from a happier life. Fear is only alive when you give it life. So I wrote that in a moment of desperation and also realization that I was the one that had to do and continue doing the heaviest of heavy lifting. And I didn't know if I was strong enough to do that. But when you know and realize that your children are also suffering, you become this incredible survivor and warrior for them to get them out of a toxic situation and rescue yourself from a toxic situation that has no hope in sight and no resolution in sight. And so because I was so low and because I was at my wits end and because I was so stressed every day and because my face was constantly wrinkled from worry, there were days I would come home from work with all three children in tow and my ex would be passed out on the floor, face down with a bottle of wine next to him and a red wine stain on the carpet. I remember this so clearly. And this was after a couple days of not going to work. I would leave with all the children, do all the stuff, feed them, bathe them, get them dressed, take them to daycare and school, do all the same thing, picking up after work, getting everybody home, and there he would be passed out on the floor. So many instances of that combined with the constant stress of just not getting any help and doing everything on my own, I realized that I had to do better for myself and do better for my children. And I knew that I could not continue to live like that. So for me, it was more about what I knew I couldn't do anymore rather than would I be able to, how long can I continue? No, it was, there's no way I can continue to live like this for another week, let alone another day. So I started trying to figure out what I needed to do and Making the call to the lawyer was a huge step and a huge moment because it was at that moment that I set everything into motion. And when you make that call, I mean, you can backtrack and take a few steps back, but the process has already begun and you've already started walking down that path. which in many ways is a very good thing because you are working to bring yourself more joy and happiness. And if you're not finding joy and happiness in that life that you're living, 
then you have to ask yourself, why are you still in it? What's keeping you there? What's keeping you there? If you're not fulfilled, if you're constantly at odds, if you're in a toxic environment, if you're not being loved the way you need and want to be loved, if your needs are not being met and your children are sad and your children hear you crying, not happy tears, but crying sad tears constantly, then you have to ask yourself like I did, what's keeping you there? We did counseling. We did all the bullshit. Problem with that is that when you're an adult, you're pretty much set in the way you're going to be. So changing, it can happen. I don't believe that. It, I don't believe that no one can change. I think you have to be willing to change and not everyone is willing to change. And so if your partner is not willing to change, to bring joy and happiness to your life and relationship and reset and love, then why, what's the point? At least that for me, I had to ask myself that question. What's the point? I didn't want to live my life in misery. There's so much more life to live. There's so much more joy to experience than misery. Misery fucking sucks. It sucks. So while I had a lot of fear about all the things that I mentioned, how I was going to do it, what I was going to do, how I was going to live, I was more concerned about just getting out of it and figuring the rest out later. So it's like my strength overpowered my fear, but it doesn't mean that I didn't have fear. It Fear was a part of it. And I think fear did two things. It kept me from living forward for a while, but it also propelled me forward because I thought, I'm afraid that I'm going to die if I stay in this. And fuck that. I'm not going to die and die of a broken heart at the hands of someone else or because of someone else. Because of another messed up person, I have more life to live and I have more love to give and I have more love to give my children and myself. So fear in an instance was good and also bad. But in the end... Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm divorced, so I guess it worked. <laughs> um, fear was twofold in that instance, in that scenario. Now I'm giving you the very abbreviated, abridged cliff notes version. Um, because like I said at the beginning, it's, it's hard to go back to it. And so a lot of it, I, I remember how I felt, but I have also compartmentalized a lot of it and dealt with a lot of it also. And so going back to it, um, I just don't have the same emotions that I, that I did. There was a time though, that I could not talk about this at all without crying. And there was a time that I couldn't talk about it at all. I couldn't even speak the words that I needed to speak to describe what I was feeling inside, which was a broken heart and soul. So to be at this point where I can actually talk about it and not cry or talk about it and laugh about some of it, 
um, is progress. So don't think that if I am laughing about some of the instances that I um, take it, that I didn't take that decision seriously. It's just that I have, I have lived forward and I have healed in many, many ways. And so the things that happen don't affect me as much as they did then. I want to read one more chapter because this, I think, sums up just the sadness and I think and on some levels depression that I was experiencing in that relationship. This chapter is called The Smile Left My Face. I smiled only because that's what my face memorized how to do, not because there was something inside that motivated it to show itself. My face was gray then. I look back at pictures and see a much better looking person. I was prettier, but there was a time when it just wasn't there. My face wasn't there. The joy behind the face and eyes decomposed as dead bodies do after a while. The decomposition was gradual. Every hurt crinkled another organ and every discovery flattened another part until the life was fading. I was breathing only because God is not ready for me. That's all I was doing. I wasn't really forcing myself to breathe. It was automatic because like my face, that's what it knew how to do. I wasn't a being. I wasn't vivacious. I wasn't passionate. I couldn't even feel anything. I told my children I loved them because I did and I do, but I didn't feel it. It's what my brain was programmed to say. My heart only ticked. It didn't beat. It didn't feel it didn't exude itself. It got really sad and recluse. It broke at first just in half and then again in fourths and then again and again. And pretty soon it scattered into so many pieces that I got too tired to count. It gathered itself up and just sat quietly in a corner, holding on to and guarding every piece, but not knowing what to do with the pile of rubble. As time went on, the pieces began to find their places again. Like a broken bone in a toe, there's not much intervention you can do. The bone has to heal itself. It knows how. The heart heals, and as it does, the ticks return to beats, and each beat pumps new blood and new cells back to life. I look at myself now, and the smile brews from my gut before it splashes my face. I can feel it. I have a life to smile about. Every beat puts the color back and every color is creating another painting we call life. So that's the joy on the other side of divorce. At least for me, that's the joy. I was in a very low place. And while there was fear and trepidation and hesitation and uncertainty and doubt and confusion and chaos and indecisiveness. I experienced all those things before I made the decision. And I think I needed to experience all that to be able to come to a place now where I can look back and know that I'm stronger and know that I've come through that experience, but also it gave me a chance to now know how to navigate more difficult situations and teach my children how to navigate difficult situations along with navigating 
difficult people and how to deal with difficult people and how to protect your heart and soul. And that is what I've been able to teach myself in a better way and also teach my children is how to protect their heart and soul and more importantly, how to protect their heart. The next episode, I'll read a chapter that I wrote that I'm thinking about including in the next book that that I'll be writing. Well, it's kind of in process right now. But it is a chapter called, well, I don't have a title for it yet, but it's about protecting your heart and how to do that and the importance of doing that, protecting your heart and soul. I think divorce really helps you see the kind of person that you are, the kind of person that you can become, and the kind of person you really want to be outside of that toxic uh, relationship where, according to court documents, you have irreconcilable differences. I think that's that's a very understated way of describing a relationship that just doesn't work and falls apart. So it's just a great reminder of how you can struggle through something, but also come out better on the other side. And that includes divorce. You can come out better on the other side. And I think for those of us who have experienced that, yes, it's hurtful. It's very hurtful to go through that situation because when you said I do, you didn't expect to say I don't. (laughs) I didn't expect to. I I knew I shouldn't have married him. (laughs) I need to just stop fucking around. I knew I wasn't supposed to marry him. I did anyway. I was too afraid to not go through with it. So I guess I'm backing up a little bit more. Yeah, I knew I shouldn't have married him. I did anyway. Because you know what? I was too afraid to say no. And I was too afraid to disappoint people. And once the invitation started going out and people started RSVPing and I had family coming from all over the country and friends coming from all over the country who were flying in, I was too afraid to disappoint people because people who had committed and I was too afraid to say no. And I know that's a trauma response that I wanted to please people instead of protecting myself. So yeah, I knew I wasn't supposed to marry him. In fact, the night of the wedding, I mean, I knew before then, but the night of the wedding was telling, it was like Jekyll and Hyde, seriously. It it was like a switch was flipped. It was the craziest thing I had ever experienced and craziest thing I'd ever witnessed in another human being of how quickly their the veil is removed and their real self comes out. It was crazy. He was a completely different person from before the wedding till after the wedding. It was that telling. But I thought that I was supposed to stay in it and work it out. And I had heard all these stories and myths about the first year of marriage is the hardest year. And so if you can just get through the first year, everything's going to be all right. So I thought I had to stay in there and stick it out and not throw in the towel too early. I'm not a quitter. So I kept going forward and living every day and just complete misery. Yeah. 
man, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about the importance of saying no and the importance of creating boundaries and being okay with not feeling guilt for disappointing people. We could probably do a whole season on that. The guilt that is instilled in you when you were younger for how you, and I'm using air quotes, disappoint people, how you disappointed people by the decision you made to be a little bit selfish and protect yourself. So yeah, that's, that's what I grew up with. So that informed my decision about moving forward with the wedding and the marriage and realizing I shouldn't, I should not have done that, but it's, it's hard to say that now because I have three amazing children and I didn't create them by myself. So I don't know. You live and learn. So we're going to keep talking through this, through this, the season of talking about divorce and fear, fear and divorce. And um, I hope that in some way you connect with my story. And if you're in the decision-making process of whether or not you stay or go. I hope this has encouraged you in some way. And I hope it's given you confidence to make the decision, whatever it is that you feel like you need to make. I always like to end each episode with something encouraging. So I encourage you to find your own voice. It's the most powerful thing that you have. It is your superpower. Find your own strength. And be confident in your decision to protect your heart and your soul, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's staying or leaving, whatever it looks like. I hope this has encouraged you in some way to make the decision you need to make for yourself, putting fear aside. Thank you so much for joining me today. I will see you next time on the Fuck Fear Podcast. Be sure to join us on a new episode of the Fuck Fear Podcast where we talk about our fears and we learn ways to get through them so that we can live more peacefully and more freely. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Write a review if you feel led. Feel free to pass it along to anybody you think it can help. And as always, thank you for listening.